Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Ronit Bat Ruthi, Aliza Bat Sima, and Shayla Bat Esther. I am so excited to have on today's show Rebbitson Rivka Malka Perlman. Rebbitson Rivka Malka is a transformational coach, a national speaker, and the mother of eight children. And um, everything in her life changed when she endured a near death experience during the birth of her youngest child. After her recovery, she found herself embracing a new appreciation for life, God's love, and for her mission in this world. Rebetzin Rivka Malka set out on a journey to help others discover the beauty in life. I feel like your, your life is so deep and so rich and full of meaning. And your near-death experience sounds completely fascinating. I'm so fascinated by it. And I just want to see if you can please tell us a little bit more about that experience and how it changed your life. Sure. Hi, Vera. It's so great to be here. Hi, everyone. And um, thank you, Hashem, for allowing me to be here. It's awesome. And thank you, Vera, for asking me that question, because that, um, that incident happened to me uh, 14 years ago. Thank God, my son is 14. And so, you know, when I, whenever I can have a chance to re-remember it and be in gratitude all over again, I really feel like, okay, this is where I got a vibe. This is really, really important to remember. Yeah. So um, it was during that, that birth experience that I nearly lost my life. And birth in general can be like a big experience for many women. So, you know, it's not that it was that dramatic, but what happened, well, perhaps it was because uh, what happened to me that I had AFE, which means that the, it was an amniotic fluid embolism. So all of this amniotic fluid flooded my body and brought me into a state of toxicity. So what I remember about it is um, this moment of, of um, blacking out. Everyone was around me and I blacked out. And I started to feel like I was just rising from my body and I could just see everyone. And it wasn't seeing with eyes. It was kind of like experiencing everyone working on me but it was such an interesting experience, Vera, because they were working on my body, but I was experiencing them working on the body. And I was thinking to myself, these people are so sweet. They're so kind. Like, I almost felt like they're so cute. <laughs> they're, like, we're, they're like doing their cute thing of trying to work. And I'm just watching this, this work. And it, whatever they were doing wasn't, they, they were, I guess, assessing. Nothing was happening. So they zipped me out on the stretcher to the operating room. And I remember that feeling of being zipped, you know, zipped out. And um, it was uh, really like a strange experience because my, my out-of-body experience was quite short. I Later on when I was in the ICU and somebody came to visit, I was very groggy and I told them that my brother, um, uh, may his memory be blessed, that he pushed me back into my body and like just, you know, he was in it with me. My brother actually introduced me to my husband when I was just 13 years old. He was the, he, he married my husband's sister. So he brought my husband into my life. So he's a very, very big part of my life. And he passed away when he was 28. Awesome. So, and I was just married a couple of years. So I just felt like he was pushing me back in. And um, after I had the AFE, which is all this toxicity, my body shut down into something called DIC which um, doctors call it death is coming. Uh, it, that's their nickname for it. They, it really has some kind of name, something, something coagulation. And what it refers to is the platelets going into shock. And so now there's blood, but no platelets that work. 
So that means that somebody can't really stop bleeding. And so I was with blood transfusions and platelet transfusions, many, 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 and until everything stabilized. So what I, I'll just wrap up over here just to say about that, two things, if you don't mind. No, please tell us more, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> one is that when I was in the operating room, they brought the baby to my husband all bundled up and they just said, pray, like pray. And um, he did a beautiful thing. He called the schools, um, my children's schools, and they called the other schools. And literally these beautiful Jewish classrooms stopped to pray. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that those prayers saved my life. I know because when I was in this state of hyper awareness in the ICU, it was as if I was born again. I felt something called prayers, don't ask me what it is, <laughs> supporting me from beneath. I felt, and I was, I was barely there. I felt them supporting me. I was intubated. I was swollen. I had tubes everywhere. The prayers were supporting. So I always tell people, please, if you hear someone who needs a prayer, stop and pray then. Don't do it later. Don't, don't just write it down. Write then. They need you. They're helpless, powerless. We have to be there for each other in this way. So that's one thing that happened. And then my other, like, so it changed my life with prayer. I, it was a long journey from then to like deep in prayer, but prayer was not easy for me before then. Gratitude, yes. Prayer, not so much. So that was a big shift. And then also um, when, I, when I came to, my husband was by my side and he told me what happened. Then, then he had to leave because the ICU was very busy. I had this, this inner dialogue. I understood that what happened to me was a miracle. Basically, the doctors had told me that this only happens to one in 20,000 women. And of the, um, of the people who survive, um, well, 80% of the people don't survive. And of the 20% that do survive, 50% are in a vegetative state. So I understood, yeah, the fact that I was thinking was a miracle. And I was wow. laying there, just a little human being. And like saying in my mind, Hashem, God, like, why'd you do it? Why'd you save my life? And I heard this, these words inside of me, because I love you. And I had this dialogue that so as if it was out loud, that's how, how real it feels, Vera, wow. where I said, you love me? It was shocking. Wow. <laughs> because you can learn like Hashem is so loving, Hashem is unconditional, but to like deeply get that you're the one who's loved, you're lovable, he's looking out like literally at you. This was a mind blowing thing. And it, it's not like I, so then like after this whole thing happened, I had a few weeks of, a few months, I would say of like high inspiration, but then Hashem sent me on a big journey to find out that I'm lovable. Like first I had to find out who is Hashem, but then he wanted me to find out who are you in order to receive Hashem. Does that make any, any sense? I'm kind of shortcutting it. No, no, it does. It does. So, I mean, there, I guess there are two entities, if you want to call it like the, the Hashem entity and the you personal entity. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, what you were saying about prayer, I'm part of a Tehillim group. So every day I get lists of people who to pray for. And yes, I mean, I do in my Shemona Esra, I do pray for people who need a refuah shalema for sure. But, you know, sometimes I get these emails after I've sent my Shimona Esrei. Um, and, you know, 
So, and yes, sometimes I do stop right there and daven for the, the name of that person, but sometimes I don't. But now you're inspiring me every single time to get that name that they really, like the people who are really sick, desperate in the, um, the hospitals and the ICU units and, su- and surgery, they need our prayers now, not tonight or tomorrow morning, but now. So I think for me, you just made that crystal clear. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, I'll share an incident with you that happened to me. I once saw this car, like, um, veer off the side of the road into this wheat field. Maybe I saw it right after it veered. So it was sitting in a wheat field and some girls were, were around it. And I started to get out of my car, but my children were in the car. I couldn't really be there for them. So I was in the car with the kids and I said, kids, let's just stop and say um, Shir Hamalo, Song of Ascents, and just daven for this incident. I didn't know what it was. Later on, I found out that actually the woman who was driving the car, I think she had some type of a seizure or a stroke, and she was actually not alive at that moment, even though she was just a car sitting in a wheat field. And the Shira Malos, um, the few um, Psalms that we were saying, the, the Tehillim, they actually are what the Neshama, like what helps the Neshama ascend. Like we have the 15 steps of the Beis HaMikdash, here's the 15 Shira Maloses. So it was like a lesson for me. I was on the other side of it, just realizing we are one unit. I was supporting like a I was blessed enough to support her journey, you know, and what she needed for her neshama. Wow. So yes, yes to what you're saying. Incredible, incredible. And then and then getting back to the part two of what you were saying about the Hashem entity and the you entity. It's so important because this is, I mean, you had a near-death experience. I mean, not, not everybody makes it and you made it back. Hashem gave you your life back, so to speak with purpose he gave it to you with with a real purpose and um i mean you're a transformational coach and you guide women to a joyous place of fulfillment in their lives so i guess that was part of the purpose that he was sending you back here to fulfill and i mean you help this is very powerful i think i thought you help women change who they are by changing what they do and you teach them how to nurture their innate strength and to guide them toward healing and to self-love. I think this is fantastic because, because I feel like so many women are lost. I mean, yes, we're here. Some of us go to work. Some of us take care of the kids, drive carpool, grocery, dinner, all that. And yes, we're doing it. But I feel like many, many women are just, they're lost. Like other than doing the do, they don't have like a specific purpose or a specific drive. So I feel like this is what you're here to help them with. And I want to see if you can please tell us more about your transformational coaching program and how you're using it to help women in all aspects of their lives. Oh, with pleasure. Yes, my pleasure. Um, and I would like to say, if you don't mind going back with just one step, yes. sometimes people have an inner feeling like, well, I didn't have a near-death experience, you know, a, does that mean God doesn't love me? B, like, I didn't have major breakthrough. Like, you're so lucky. So, first of all, I am lucky. Thank you, Hashem. Um, but secondly, what I feel is that um, I was a tough cookie. I was pretty resilient. Hashem had to shake me up from the bottom in order to open me up to his love. But I believe that Hashem shakes us all up. Nobody, like, when you have a major incident in your life, it could be illness, major financial debt massive transition, job loss, a part of you does die, a part of you disintegrates and doesn't know what to do with herself. And that's Hashem's way of shaking, shaking you up. Like that's, that's your personal shakeup to find out something new about life and about Hashem. So just because someone had a near-death experience, it doesn't actually mean they're cooler. <laughs> it's, they're not cooler. We all, I believe we all have like moments of dying and being reborn if, if we allow it, you know, and Hashem speaks to us about his love. Um, and about, yeah, just wanted to say that. 
Wow, thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so this coaching program is very, very big blessing. The way that it works is that women come for one of two reasons. Either they come to become a coach and support others, or they come as a self-development program. Because the way the program works is we go through uh, six months of coaching skills, which is really communication skills and relational skills and like deep listening skills and um, very like cool perspective kind of skills, amazing for relationships. And then we go into what's called hashkafa and restorative healing, spiritual ideas that lead to inner healing. Like um, I have actually, I, I could show it to you right here on my wall, on my mirror. These are like uh, one of the exercises that we did in our school is like to find the spiritual mantras that literally can support you and guide your journey and to have them with you. So I have them over here. Love always wins. I'm not meant to do this alone. Hashem already has the answers. And my very, very favorite, every experience is a healing opportunity. Wow. So we have, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to talk about that in a sec, but that's like the next part of the healing is almost to firm up the adult self, to dip into topics of forgiveness and self-forgiveness, self-love, um, receiving femininity, feminine receiving, giving to Hashem, our role in this world, our life mission, these kinds of like, like coming alive topics. And then we do the inner child healing, which is to, to heal those inner wounds, those inner messages that we've been carrying around since we're kids. So there's, there's three main um, points that are very, very important to me in this work. The first, like most critical overarching idea, and I would love to share this with your audience, is that every experience is a healing opportunity. Hashem put us into this world as perfectly innocent and beautiful, just little babies. Every baby's gorgeous. Every baby's perfect. Every baby's valuable. And every baby is dependent. And then he gives us lifetime experiences. And in these experiences, we come to mistaken beliefs. Like let's say a child is dependent, maybe they weren't protected. So a child can get an idea that I can't be dependent, I won't be safe. Or maybe a child is criticized and put down and then they don't feel as valuable. Or maybe they think I'm only loved if I'm pretty, I'm only loved if I'm smart, I'm only loved if I work hard, right? Hashem makes a purposeful concealment and it's part of childhood. Then comes the, the point of our life, the turning point, the revelation so that he wants us to find, he covers up the truth so that we can find out the truth about ourselves, our soul, and about his love for us. So every experience is a healing opportunity means that even if someone wrongs you, for example, it's, in, it's an opportunity to check out how did that make me feel? How is that feeding into my, my low beliefs about myself or my beliefs about how the world is unfair? I come to awareness of some kind of mistake that I'm making on the inside. I get the chance to clarify it, to come closer to Hashem, to come closer to myself. So we like to say every trigger is a golden thread of connection that Hashem is dropping for you. Hey, here you go. I'm going to show you something new. Like you're not going to just see something new if you're just doing the same old thing. We got to be shaken up a little bit. Right. So. Um, every experience is a healing opportunity is a framework that is, is massive for like coming into powerful self because you're always growing. You're not being victimized by life or by circumstance. You're in this like awesome growth experience. 
that's the first super important thing. Okay, that you want to feedback on that? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, it's it's very good. It's um, it's very powerful. It's a lot of information. I'm soaking it in because there's there's so much to that, you know, you know, because we're, we're going through life and then we're not writing the script. We have a plan and the plan completely doesn't go the way that we want it to. And of course we feel bad. We feel upset. We feel angry and all that, you know, maybe somebody said something to us. Maybe we wanted something to do something and they didn't, you know, and it's a lot of times it's hard for us to accept that and to digest that. And then we feel bad. Maybe I did something for this, for this person to say that to me or for this bad thing to happen. And so what you're saying, using the exercises that you're talking about is that we don't we don't have to keep that negativity in us and we can learn, we can use it as a learning experience to grow and maybe change for the next time and to realize that not everything is on us. Maybe this, this is what was supposed to be, you know, maybe it's not something that I did wrong. This is just the way that it was supposed to be. And what should I learn from this experience? So I could move on in a positive direction. Yes. And, and just to add on like a little bit more sweetness, not only what can I learn, but like, how is Hashem wanting me to see something about myself? Like he wants me, every, every father wants his daughter to look good, to feel good, to be well taken care of, you know, yes. Shem is counting on us to take good care of ourselves. So how can I learn from this? And one of the things that we teach is to have no accusations. Whenever you have an accusation, it is the Midas Hadin, it's strict justice, punishment, accusation versus having compassion. So some of us struggle with having resentments against other people and accusations that way. Like, how could they have done that to me? Right. You know, why didn't they invite me? Why didn't they tell me? Right. Et cetera. And some of us struggle with self-accusations, thinking I should have done more. I should have done better. I should have been more responsible. I should have been kinder. And they're beating ourselves up on the inside. But we have the opportunity to move ourselves to a higher place. It's called the... Um, the the cheder yichudur, the shar yichud, the place where Hashem is in His privacy, and the truth of Hashem in His private place is that He is compassion. That's who Hashem is. He is compassion, and He has a prayer. Hashem's prayer is, uh, um, uh, let me get the right words. Um, his prayer is, "May my mercy overcome my wrath." He wants to be compassionate. So when we go into this place of accusation. We're in this place where other forces, not Hashem, like, you know, are, are working at us. We actually put ourselves in the hall, in the hall of accusations, not in the hall of mercy, together with whoever we're blaming. We're, it's all badness, right? basically. <laughs> you're in negativity. But if you go higher up to a place of mercy, then you're beyond all the evil and negative forces. You're just with Hashem. You and Hashem are one. And you get to say to yourself, you know what? I have compassion on myself that no matter what they did to me, that was a really hard thing for me to go through. I'm going to focus there. I'm going to focus on my own self-compassion. I'm going to focus on Hashem's compassion for me. I'm going to let it in. This part of life that he gave me was not so easy. I'm going to hold myself in it. I'm going to let Hashem hold me. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm going to understand that I did the best that I could. If I need to make a correction, I'm going to correct it. If I need to do tshuva, I'll do tshuva. But I'm not going to get into the place of accusation, sticking with the high vibration. So the, the way to stick, one of the rules of sticking with the high vibration is no accusations. Okay, no accusations. That's okay. I'm going to keep that in mind. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so the second thing that's super important in our school is that you can only take a person as far up the mountain as you yourself has gone. 
have gone. So just to, to explain that, if I as a coach or as a friend have never experienced my own self-compassion, I'm not gonna guide you to self-compassion. If I never took a risk and a dare and did something awesome in the world, I'm not gonna say, you can do it. I know you can do it. Like, this is a done deal. Let's do it. I'm here to support you because I don't really believe it, you know? So when we train our coaches, we, that's why it's a, it's a coach training and a self-development because basically, if you want to be a coach, you've got to do your own self-development work. For sure. And that's what makes it very different with Hashem's loving help than a traditional coaching program, which is cerebral. Now you're going to learn how to do a technique but you're not necessarily going to ever apply that technique to yourself. So you're kind of like, you know, sitting still expecting a lot of movement from your client. That's not going to, you'll get some movement, but you know, but if, if you're on the journey, then you're, you're in the transformational uh, like vibration. You're in the growth, the Gaula journey with your client. This is a totally different conversation. So our coaches go on there on a journey as well. Um, it's that's amazing. the second thing that's super important. Yes, that's amazing. Okay. And are the, co the coaches, are they, do you train the coaches or how do the coaches get trained? Yeah. Um, so uh, of our student body, uh, we train about 50 or 60 students per semester, like every six months. Okay. We open up for registration. So in our student body, I would say about half of them want to become coaches and the other half of them are just on a healing journey. Um, but they all get the same training, except the ones that are going for coaching. For coaching, have more certification requirements. They have to take hours. They have to take an exam. They have to do all kinds of, you know, they have to record a session and all that. For sure. So um, I am the main teacher. I have an assistant teacher who's super duper talented, um, Rachel Wormley. We have some other teachers, um, Siva Greenberger and Rachel Welfeld, teaching the inner child module. Um, Rachel, who I work with, is trained in trauma and somatic work. And um, we kind of like blend it all together. I tell them when they come to school, I tell them we're building a house, we're building your inner house. So it's like, first comes the, the coaching skills, which are literally, we could, we could learn some here together. They're just change everything. Yeah. Then comes the spiritual skills, then comes the inner child healing. Wow. So, so it's, in, it's in those three parts. That's how you do it in, in the three parts. Um, yeah. And I said that there was one more thing that's super important, the third aspect, but I can't even remember it now. There was, I, I had it in three in my mind, so we'll just leave it for now. If you remember it, let me know, and then we'll go back to it for sure. Okay. Um, but I would love to hear- Oh, you know, I did remember it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> did you like, yeah? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll do it real quick. It's, it's all intertwined and interrelated. So um, another thing that's very, very important is the perspective that we are here for a mission. And sometimes people think, that when I'm 40, I discovered my mission. When I had a near-death experience, I discovered my mission. But in fact, you have been on mission since the day that you were born. So the perspective is that you are the hero in a story. God is the author and everything that's in that story, you know, you send it to an editor, they take out anything that is extraneous. Everything that happens is part of that story. So not only, okay, it's for purposes from Hashem, but also, it is, it is defining your mission in life. Your pains and the places where you, where you were lacking are the very places that you seek to fill as an adult. The places where you're hurting are the places where you're now able to give compassion 
and to be of service and kindness and usefulness to others. So this whole time, you've always been on mission. And it's a very special time in a woman's life where she has the support to discover her life mission. When we take women, this is a, one of, uh, I do a few types of coaching. One of the coaching is life mission coaching. When we take a woman on a journey to discover her life mission, she gets to unpack the whole story of her life and look for the themes and the threads that are in there and like really deeply crystallize and what it's about. And our sperms say, um, I, I really have to show you the sources for this because there's so many, the Nesivas Shalm and the Baal Shem Tov and um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, like so many sources that Arizal talk, just um, talk about how critical it is to tune in to your mission that it says a person is responsible to take stock of the narrative of their life to see what is Hashem trying to bring me to? What's he asking me to do? So to that end, I, I just want to congratulate you on following whatever guidance Hashem has given you to make this podcast. This is like, it's part of your mission. You're doing it. That's, Thank you so that's much. That's really Thank awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, and I want to go back up for a minute to the coaching. You said that you could give us just a few coaching tips, just something to, to give to women that maybe they could implement in their daily lives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll do the first three tips and we'll do the first three basic coaching tools and we'll try to, each one is massive, but we'll give it to you in about a minute. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. Um, so there is an idea that you have heard of called holding space. Yes. Holding space. And when you're with another person, what's more important um, than anything that you will say is the space that you are holding. So when we hold space for another person, what we're coming in with is an attitude of non-judgmentalism. I'm here for you in your experience. And I honor that who you are is divine and valuable. And beautiful in the eyes of God, that Hashem shows you certain things about your life that are very specific to you. So as I hold space, one of the ingredients in that space is honor for the person that you are, really like a, a respect and a, a humility in the face of this beautiful creation of God that is before me. When we hold space with each other, for each other like that, let's say a woman to her husband, women are full of opinions for their husband because we were born as the Azer Connecto, as a helpmate. Right. But what can happen to us is that we can start to feel like, I know better. I know him inside out. I know him better than he knows himself. And in a, in a certain sense, we do. That's our gift, is the inner knowledge. However, when we hold space that they are a child of Hashem and that like a certain humility for the depth of what goes on over there, we create a bigger space for them to, for our husbands, our clients, our children to find their own voice, not only to be impacted by our opinion or what we say or we feel, it's a holding space. There's a lot more to say on holding space. That's just a piece that came up right now. We're gonna, I don't wanna go too long, so we're gonna leave it at that. Okay. But just to say that if you've ever been with someone and you've asked them advice and they come in real quick with like, well, I think this and I had that and that happened to me, it is not a pleasure. What's a pleasure is when you talk and someone can listen deeply, just holding space before they ever respond, that makes a really um, uh, a safe space for a person to find their inner wisdom. 
and they feel also safe with you to receive from you. Wow. With the listening, just give them time to just express or vent or get whatever they, they have off their chest and out of their mind and to feel that you're really a support there and listening support before you jump in with your, I think you should do this. No, definitely that. For sure, you have to, you know, go there or do this or talk to him or whatever. That's, it makes a big difference really for how people receive you, for how people receive your advice and for what people will do with what you tell them. So that's very key. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Coaching school number one. <laughs> awesome. Okay, now you have listened let's imagine and you are ready with your response you have a human response but a beautiful tool to use in relationships or in coaching is the tool of acknowledgement acknowledgement means before i'm ever going to give you my response i'm just going to acknowledge you now sometimes people think of acknowledging someone as a compliment but a compliment means here's my opinion of you so we're not doing compliments rather we're saying Here's what I see about how you're showing up. So let's say someone says, I don't know what to do with my daughter. She's been skipping school. She's in bed all day. I think she's depressed. Maybe, you know, and you're listening deeply, compassionately with honor. So much compassion, right? Before you jump in and you say, well, did you try a therapist? I know a good one. Do you want a few numbers? Before you jump in with that, you're going to acknowledge how they're showing up, number one. And number two, their experience. So the acknowledgement can sound something like this. I really want to acknowledge how hard this is. I just want to acknowledge like your mother's heart that is going through this with your daughter. You must be at your wits end. I just want to acknowledge that you've been through a lot with this kid and you're still showing up loving. That's so incredible. You can feel like, can you feel the relaxing? Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... Yeah, that's true. And then you can also acknowledge their circumstance. I just want to acknowledge like that must take a tremendous toll on your family dynamic that this is going on with your daughter. And I want to acknowledge like you are, you are doing your very best. You know, we don't always get it right, but you are literally showing up to the best of your ability. I just want to give you so much credit for that. Wow. It's almost like validation, something like that. Very much so. That would be a, a very, a very like synonymous word, not quite the same, but very synonymous. And it just like, when you get validated, ooh, ease. Yes. Yes. You don't feel like you're combating. You're not, you don't feel like you're trying to convince the other person of everything that you're going through. You're like, yeah, the other person gets it. You're right. It's a, like a relaxation. Okay. I can feel, I can feel safe in talking to this person and I can feel more open into receiving what that other person has to say. Vera, you're a star student. <laughs> yeah, that was really gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and then we'll do the third tool. A third tool is called clarifying. So once again, we are wanting to give our client or our loved one like so much space to do their life. We want to be a really powerful support. So after we totally get it, we now have the opportunity to clarify, which means we can either help them get clarity on what they need, or we can get our own clarity. And I'll show you how that goes. So you could say, um, either um, you just told me a lot. I just want to get it clear. Let me just give this back to you and kind of reflect back to them. So your daughter's at home. You've tried a therapist. You've spoken to the teacher. You've spoken to the principal, and she's still in bed, and you're, you're at your wit's end. Did I get it right? That's a type of clarifying where you're, you're literally... Um, organizing the pieces so she knows that, you're, that you get her and it also helps her to know, okay, yes, 
now we can go forward. You've kind of made sense of the mess in her, in her mind. That's one way that you can use clarifying. And the other way that you can use clarifying is to clarify, like, how can I be of support to you? Instead of just jumping in, you can say, thank you so much for telling this. I'm totally here for you. What can I do for you? Is it better for you if I just listen or is it better if we like, or if I help you brainstorm? I just want to clarify like what this conversation is about. And you can do, you can imagine in a coaching session that can go deeper and, you know, deeper and deeper, but even just the clarifying in a relationship um, helps a person to get what they, the kind of support that they need. And it's just very special. Wow. That's amazing. I love those. I mean, those are, and those are practical, like they're doable. You could do them in everyday life. You, you know, you broke it down very, you know, in small steps and you made it simple, but I think it's definitely doable. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, I mean, along those lines, I, I, I love anecdotes. I just love hearing stories about other people and how they've been, you know, what they go through in life and how they sort things out. I learn. I feel like I learn a lot from anecdotes and people learn from them too and I was just wondering if maybe you could share with us maybe one or two stories either from your own personal life or from the um, people that you coach about how um, about the trans the tremendous transformations that you have seen in women when they've really yeah. applied all the techniques yeah absolutely with pleasure um, so one story just jumps out at me as like it was a special moment well there's a few special many special moments but um um, so in, we were doing life mission work and in the life mission work, we really want to help a woman get the words to her mission, even though we know that the soul is infinite. So, you know, it's beyond words. There's something about being able to capture it that really feels good. And the words have to be resonant inside of you. So you really work with a partner on, on getting these words after you do all this looking through your life, et cetera. Um, so this woman, she was a very elegant Russian woman, and she came up with this idea that she is like, um, oh, so we have them frame it. We have them frame their words as a metaphor. I am the blank that blank, you know? I am the rainbow that spreads color. I am the visionary that works for Hashem, whatever it is. So she says, I, I am like the water that, that gives wisdom. But she said, I'm not, I don't give wisdom. Like, I don't like to give advice. It's just if people come to me, then I feel that I have this inside of me to offer. So it was a very special moment that she was actually acknowledging about that, or that about herself because she's tremendously humble and elegant. And she was able to say, there's a lot in there and, and I give it when people want. So we were working on, on the wording and she said, I'm not an ocean, I'm not a lake, I'm not a fountain. And we came up with the word mikvah and all wow. of a sudden she came alive I am a mikvah. Like you can come and dip into me when, whenever you want. I'm here. I am a mikvah that 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 like of wisdom or something like that. These were very an analogy. Words. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So her coaching ended. A few minutes later, she gets a text on her phone from the mikvah, and oh, I know, I know. Wait. So she said, "I love the mikvah. I've always wanted to volunteer at the mikvah. This is something like." that's so dear to me. And, um, you know, there's, there's a mikvah that's being built in my neighborhood. I wish I could volunteer there. Then she gets a text literally on her phone from the mikvah. They're doing a charity campaign and they're raising money. And she says, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to give money to the mikvah. She sends them back. Yes, I'm donating money. And I would like to volunteer. 
which there was plenty of room for because there's a new mikvah. Amazing. So yeah, so she set up an appointment with them to volunteer at the mikvah. And it was like, she came, you know, the woman who's at the mikvah for another woman really is in herself a mikvah. You know what I'm saying? She is there to support your experience. She's there to, to dip into her holiness. It's a, so that was one like, whoa, moment. Wow. Um, yeah. And then there was another moment that really stands out at me. This was at a live workshop. So um, we were ending the live workshop. It was after three days. Um, some of the work, we have the coaching school that's a year long program. And if you want, you can just join for the first three months and just get those, those relational coaching skills, or you can join for the whole journey. And then also live events and workshops and retreats. So um, it was at a live retreat and we had done incredible work for three days. And at the end, the women sit in a big circle and it's about 30, 35 women. And they say they're closing, like their closing statement. And then afterwards there's a line um, in the middle of the room, it's kind of like a surprise, but now you know, it's very, very powerful because they, they've said their closing statement on one side of the line and then they make a commitment for the future and they don't step over that line until all of them is committed. So wow. it's like a very, everyone is holding space. It's powerful, like it's, it's, it's heavy. And then they step over. So this woman, she stood up and she said her closing statement and then she kind of got like low. And she's like, I don't know, like this retreat was really good and all, but I still don't have kids. I'm oh. still sad, you know, after all this work that I've done, I'm still going home to an empty house. Right. And like, you know, I just can't, I don't know what to say about that. So the, the group was very, very quiet. And I was just holding space. You have to sometimes be in the unknown, like Hashem, what do you want? And um, in the unknown, a fellow colleague, like I have a staff, Baruch Hashem. So one of the staff members said something very daring. She had just come from a Rabbi Arash um, seminar. Mm -hmm. And she had learned about thanking Hashem for the bad. And she right. said to her, uh, I think it was Samantha. She said, like, I can't believe I'm telling this to you. I'm sorry. I don't mean to dismiss your pain. Please forgive me. It's just that I just learned this from Rev Arish and maybe it will help you. Like, she was like, that's maybe it could help you. Like, do you think that you could thank Hashem like for, for this? And everyone was like aghast a little bit, you know, but like, could you, she was just being honest. It was came from sincerity. It didn't come from like a preachy place. So this woman was like, thinking and thinking and crying and thinking. And then she finally said, thank you Hashem for my infertility. And we were all just like, Whoa. wow. Like shook. We were shook. The place That's was, huge. It was shook beyond like, it, you know, because she couldn't say that unless she was like standing in the middle of the room with all her like heart, mind, body, and soul. Oh. She stepped over that line. She stepped into her future. And that was the end. And three months later, I'm not joking. <laughs> she was pregnant. Insanity. And I can't. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I saw. And then I was like, I saw Facebook pictures of her with the belly and everything. I was like, what is happening? And it takes that. Like, that's why I love this work, not only for the Amuna component, but the support of a sisterhood, the support of the women around you who are going to support your transformation. You can't just do it on your own, you know? 
Right. Like you need, you need other people to reflect you, to encourage you, to empower you, to step into something bigger. So um, yeah, Baruch Hashem, that was another like, whoa moment. Thank you for sharing that. That's so important. And I want to bring up a point just um, for some listeners who don't know who Rav, our, Rabbi Arush is. Um, he's a Breslov rabbi, and his basic premise is thank Hashem for everything, the seemingly good and the seemingly bad. If you win a million dollars, say thank you. If you find, you know, if you find uh, your coat in a lost in town, say thank you. But also if you have trouble getting pregnant, if you need money, if you want to find a husband, if you have issues with your kids, say thank you. And it sounds crazy. I have his books and I've read them. It sounds crazy. Um, he has stories in his books of people saying, thank you so much that my kid is a drug addict. Thank you. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you for giving me a child who's a drug addict. I love my child. I love that he's a drug addict. I know I'm saying it over and over again, but that's kind of that's kind of his method. What you have to do, you really, really have to thank Hashem from the bottom of your heart. And it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, it's true. And just like you said in your story about this woman, and I bet she's been trying to have kids for years and tried all kinds of things. I'm sure of it. And then when she was really, really able to thank Hashem with the support of the women in your group, I mean, that was it was literally transformational. She was able to have a baby. You know, so I just wanted to make everybody aware of this. So, yes, thank Amazing. you. Amazing. You know, you're, first of all, yes. And I want to support what you're saying. For me, like, to just think Hashem is like, how do I get all aligned with that? You know, like yes. beyond the words. So for me, the message of every experience of a healing opportunity, for me, it lets me like dig a little deeper and see the good and see the love in it. And it makes the you know, it makes the, the trial that much sweeter. So we can thank Hashem and like start dipping into the awareness. Like, yeah, I'm growing in here. It's, it's awful and I'm growing at the same time. It hurts, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. It's um, right. In that place, there's space for growth in that place of, of a pain and hurt and awfulness. There is. Yes. That, that's where you grow from. Yes, 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 yes. It's like the, the seed that needs to be planted in the earth and it's dark, but, and in there, it totally disintegrates, you know, but the disintegration is the beginning of the growth. A hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Wow. Um, well, we're just about out of time. And I just wanted to really thank you so much, Rabbits and Rivka Malka for taking the time to join us on America's Top Rabbitsons. We really, really appreciate you being here. And we hope that today's learning was for Rafua Shalema, for Ronit Batruthi, Aliza Batsima and Sheila Bat Esther. And if anyone in the audience has any questions or comments about the podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. That's A-T-R-E-B-B-E-T-Z-I-N-S at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vera. Thank you for this opportunity. May Hashem bless your efforts beyond your wildest expectations. Amen, but amen. Thank you. Amen. Take care.